Hello, hello, and happy holidays. This is the Vegas Voice on AM 1400 KSHP Las Vegas. The Vegas Voice brought to you by the Vegas Voice magazine. It's the free monthly magazine. Learn more at thevegasvoice.net. Hey, everybody, John the announcer here, and man, do we got a cool show on tap. Up first, he, he's he's the super agent. Yes. That's that's the way. I, power agent. A power agent. Uh, any any way you slice it, George Pecoraro is here. But first, we bring on the host. Here is comic impressionist Rich Natoli. As Bob Hope would say, "How about that, George Pecoraro? Isn't he something?" <laughs> right I want to tell you, right here, right, right here, right here on our show. But I want to tell you, how you doing, buddy? Oh, doing fine. You're Rich, all bundled doing, up. It's bundled snow up. cold it's, in Vegas. Uh, yeah, it's as <laughs> close to winter as I like to get. Actually. Yeah, this is radio, folks. You can't see, but John is never in a scarf and a long coat, but he is. He is today. We got power agent George Pecoraro in the house. Oh, yeah. Hi, George. Hello, Richard. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I'm very happy to be here. First of all, thank you for inviting me. This is the last show, I guess, before Yeah, before, before the holidays. Christmas. Yeah, we're excited yeah. about this. Hmm. And uh, and you, you've been busy. So we want to say Merry Christmas. Thank you. Happy Hanukkah. To the people out there, and also happy Festivus for the rest of us. Yeah. Yes, so. but you don't want to forget anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe be, I want to be the first one to say happy Valentine's Day to you. The very, very first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's coming yeah. up. Yeah. And uh, Mother's Day. Is Mother's Day? Love that. We still got time for that. Yeah, we, we got time we for that. Oh, my too. gosh. So anyway, so so you're now, now, you know, you have such a, I read your bio, and you have such an interesting career that I don't, I don't think many people have as interesting a career as this man. Because you started now, you started acting, right? Uh, if you want to call it that. Um, I was the first, uh, I guess I, I got paid for it, so it's as a, as a professional. The first acting, like I said, if you want to call it that, first mm-hmm. opportunity I had to be on mm-hmm. camera professionally was uh, during uh, the third season, first episode uh, uh, of Charlie's Angels with Dean Martin was the guest. Wow! And it was it was yeah. it was two parter. Yeah. They tape it, it was the first two episodes of the third season. That's probably oh. more than you want to know. No, that's cool. <laughs> okay, so now when you started with that though, that was was that extra work? Like you didn't have lines, or did you have any lines? I, I it was an extra work, and I, I it's it I. I, I I, I, there's a lot of ways I, I can tell you the whole story. I can I briefly what you want to know, but that was the first time I ever did anything, and I kind of like massaged my way into. It. I knew Dean Martin was going to be in this episode, and um, I had to be in it at all costs. Whatever. Because you were took. a Dean Martin fan. Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Yeah, wow. those. That's the reason okay. I'm in the business because of Dean and Jerry. And um, there's been many thousands of shows that have happened. Because of Dean and Jerry, and now when you influence. say because of them, you're from the the East Coast, right? I was born in Brooklyn, <clears throat> grew up in Hollywood, Florida, Pembroke Pines, mm-hmm. about three miles from the beach, mm-hmm. a little great city to be from, and yeah. great city to leave because there wasn't enough show business there later <laughs> yeah. on. I mean, there was Miami Beach had uh, the seasons, and it was uh, basically the Fountain Blue Hotel, the Eden Rock, the Doville, yeah. Uh, and, a, and a, a sprinkling of others. and But the season was only about six weeks. Mm-hmm. And we came out in 73 with my family. And uh, we were comped for about two weeks at Caesars Palace. And so we went to all the shows. And I, I, I was just in love with the old days mm-hmm. of show business. And what they had in six weeks in Florida, they had... Every that 52 weeks a year in Las Vegas, not only in the main showrooms, but in the lounges and in the even smaller. There were stars everywhere all day. It was a buffet of shows always. And I said, oh, this is it. I have to come here. And so, yeah, I'm from the East Coast, but I've been in Las Vegas since 1973. And so now, when you were in my, when you went to Miami Beach, is that where you saw? Did you see uh, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis perform there? No, no, that was I, I'm, I'm 65. So I was I was born in '56. They uh, broke up in '56 about a month, almost a month to the day of my. I broke up in July of '56, so it would have. Been, I'm not quite old enough to have seen that. The reason I fell in love with Dean and Jerry, uh, there was a film called The Stooge, and there was one little scene in The Stooge, and that's. I was sitting there as about a 12-year-old kid and saying, I, I'm going to go in this business no matter what it takes. I don't know what I'm going to do in this business. We're yeah. going to do so- I don't care about what it pays or anything. I just don't have to do something in show business. And, yeah. um, and, I, I, and there wasn't a lot of it in South Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, the King, 
of South Florida was Jackie Gleason. <clears throat> and I would uh, bug my father to take me to the taping of the Jackie Gleason show at the Miami Beach Convention Center. So is that where they taped it? They taped they it at the Miami Beach Convention. It was called a home, the giant letters, home of the Jackie Gleason show, Miami Beach mm. Convention Center. And he lived at a place called Inverary Country Club. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, it's just surprisingly, um, many, many years later, uh, I was his stand-in for the movie Smoking the Bandit Part yeah. Two. Uh, that Dom DeLuise got me that job. Oh, wow. And, uh, and, but, but Gleason was, was brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. And when I, stay, when I go to Manhattan, I only stay at the uh, Park Central Hotel, which used to be the Park Sheridan Hotel. Yeah. And Gleason used to live there. That's where they had the offices for the honeymooners. Yeah. And he had a penthouse, a 4,000-square-foot penthouse. Wow, wow. Two stories. It was his office. It was his home. And he used to walk his dog right outside, which is about maybe about 40 steps from the old Carnegie Deli catty corner from the uh, Carnegie Hall. Wow. How sweet it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think people knew that. I didn't mm-hmm. know that it, that it taped in uh, Miami. Well, not, not, the, not, the, not the 39 famous honeymooners. Yeah. But later on, they, they, they coaxed Jackie to move from New York to Miami Beach uh, because he loved golf. Okay. And and then he decided to to do the that Jackie Gleason show, not the honeymoon, but the, it was all sketches. It was all sketches from the yeah. honeymooners. And he would have the night I saw when I was probably about eleven. Uh, people like Milton Berle would be on, Frankie Avalon would be on, and the strange thing about it was all, almost all the people I met or or was fans of as a kid, I wound up working with them, and they would say to me, "Well, did we ever meet before?" I said, "Yeah,", yeah but. I was 11, or I met him on a golf course yeah. at 12, yeah. and, I, and I said, and I asked you for a card, how to reach you in case I ever wanted, in case we were ever doing a yeah. chance to work together, and instead of thinking like, what are you talking, you're, you're like 11, 12, what do you mean I'm going to work with you? Mm-hmm. But, but they didn't laugh at me. They would give me a way to reach them. I, I acted like an adult. I never acted like a, like a child or a kid. Yeah. I, I've never been a child or a kid. I've just been yeah. a younger person that was, <laughs> that was interested and loved the business and was going to yeah. be in it and work with all those people uh, almost that, that, I, that would play Miami Beach. And that was yeah. my payback. I loved their work. And I thought, yeah. well, if I could hire them, that's kind of yeah. like payback because I've, I've enjoyed so much what they do for a living. Yeah. You know, I followed Milton Berle one time at the Comedy Store. I'm sorry. I, 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 oh, but actually, <laughs> actually it, was, it was so much fun because there was – I don't know if people listening have ever been to the Comedy Store, but there's a room where there's a window right by the stage that, that overlooks uh, Sunset Boulevard. And so Milton Berle, this is how funny Milton Berle was. He walks on stage. I'll never forget this. He walks on stage, and the window was just just, just a window. There was no shade on or anything. And he says, look, can we get a shade or something, to, a drape, to cover up this window? I, I don't want people driving by to think I'm working here. Oh, my God. That's Milton. <laughs> I mean, that was Milton Berle. Here's a quick just, Milton story. Um, I hired him for the Riviera, uh, the, uh, the the place in Laughlin, the Riviera, the Red, the Red. What's yeah, the, what's yeah the, oh, I know what you're the Riverside about. Hotel. The Riverside, yeah. Uh, with a guy named Roy Jernigan who was booking it, and he says, uh, "I said I think I can get Burl." He goes, "What? You can get Milton Burl?" I said, "Yeah, I think I can." I was with him the other night. And we had dinner, and he says, "George Milton, we got to do some dates. I'm not getting enough dates." <laughs> so I called him up, and he agrees to do the date. And he he calls, he always calls, said, "George, George, George." He called me at the Friars Club. I'm there yeah. every night at five o'clock in Los Angeles, and he was. At his normal table. So I would call him and I said, Milton, everything is done perfect. He said, George, tell me about the uh, the spotlights. I go, we have the two. He goes, he says two. I said, yeah, they have two so stage left, stage right. He goes, I, I need three. Mm. I go, Milton, every, they don't they don't have three. Yeah, I mean, everybody has two. Right. He goes, that's why I'm Milton Burrow. I need three. <laughs> is that what he said? Yeah. And he goes, I need three. And, and tell me about the size of the video screen. He was very particular. And he was very much Milton Burrow. In right. fact, I don't know if, if the, the, the public knows this or you might not even know it. The, I, went, I was at most of the Dean Martin roasts when they, when they did them. And a lot of the roasts, many of them, he was the, the, 
he would come on before the roast to get the crowd excited. Oh, yeah. He he the pre roast yeah. just to do maybe like ten, twelve minutes of stand up. They didn't televise that though. No, they didn't televise yeah. that. That was just to get the crowd going. Wow. I never I don't think I never knew that. Yeah, and he was uh he was brilliant. So uh, yeah. Milton Burrow was Mr. Television. Milton you know. Burrow, yeah, and he was very nice. Uh we're <laughs> talking to uh power agent George Pecoraro. We got interesting stories to tell, lots more to come. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be back with George Pecoraro. Right after this. Oh, yeah. Folks, you're tuned to The Vegas Voice on AM 1400 KSHP Las Vegas. The Vegas Voice, the voice for your health, wealth, and good times. It's the free monthly magazine. Learn more at thevegasvoice.net. Stick around. George, Rich, and I return following these brief messages. Wayne Klingman, or you might know him better as Mr. Big, is out handling a dispute, but he did want to say thank you for listening to Vintage Vegas Crime Blotter every week. He also wants to remind you you can get copies of his books on Amazon. Just simply search Wayne Klingman, that's spelled C-L-I-N-G-M-A-N, again, Wayne Klingman, for the best in Vegas reading materials. Hi there. I'm pretty sure I'm Bruce Baum. And if you like hot sauce, you're going to really like my new Noggin Blast organic hot sauces. Available at NogginBlast.com. These are hot sauces the whole family can enjoy, depending on how you raised your family. Every bottle is signed by me, whether you want me to or not. So if you want some, it's at NogginBlast.com. That's N-O-G-G-I-N. B-L-A-S-T. Nogginblast.com. Nogginblast.com. Angstrom Minerals represent a quantum leap in nutrition. Liquid Minerals offer a more concentrated and quicker boost because they integrate into the body faster. Unlike that handful of pills you take every day, Angstrom Minerals bypass digestion and go directly to the cells. Try Angstrom Minerals for your body, your health, and your life. Register online and use your account to save 5% off your retail order every time you shop. Some restrictions apply. Please visit ElementalResearchInc.com. Vegas never sleeps, but you knew that already because you live here. This is Stephen Maggi, host of Vegas Never Sleeps. Join me each Saturday at 2 in the afternoon on KSHP 1400. Vegas Never Sleeps features the unique approach of in-depth conversations, bringing the timeless excitement of Las Vegas to the world. So remember, join me each Saturday at 2 in the afternoon on KSHP 1400 for Vegas Never Sleeps. Welcome back to the Vegas Voice. Now, here again, the host, comic impressionist, Rich Natoli. We are back. We're joined in studio by a power agent, George Picararo, who has booked everybody and anybody under the sun. Who is anybody in show business? And I want to I talk about some of the names because you've worked with, like, who are some of the first people you booked when you started booking shows? Um, as far as n- n- recognizable names, yeah, or, like names that people would know now. Uh, Red um, Buttons, Alan oh, King, gosh, the wow. Osmonds, wow. Uh, Foster Brooks, Wow, uh, uh, Rita Marino, uh, uh, just Smothers a, Brothers, yeah. uh, George Benson, Kenny G, Chris Christopherson. Wow, those are those are amazing talents, yeah, it and, just, uh, and that was pretty early on. Um, the very first show I ever booked. Well, it was a, I, I've always worked pretty much with recognizable names. Yeah. Occasionally I work with somebody who isn't, but because I, I just care about the talent. I care yeah. equally of somebody who's not a recognizable name as a super. Uh, to me, a booking's booking. So yeah. I might be, I used to work with Tony Bennett a little bit and, and Ringo Starr and Paul Anka and, and Smokey Robinson, all these people recently, Air Supply. And then I'll do. Um, Another act, well, I won't mention a name because being they're not a name, um, but the point is I care equally about a date is a date, a booking is a booking, and, and they, ma- they matter equal to me yeah, uh, because yeah. it, it, it's, it's the business that matters to me. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And so like when you, when you worked with these people, did you have to deal like a lot with their management or did you deal <clears throat> directly with them a lot of times or was it kind of a mixed kind well, of Well, I would know most of the stars because many, many years ago I started uh, working with people like Cher and, and uh, Mac Davis. And, right. and so I was – even as, a, as I was trying to break into the business, somehow I was always around it at, at their parties or – when I say parties, 
It was all clean fun. There's not what people yeah. think now today. Parties then were you went they somebody always had to come. So you went to the showroom and you saw the show and somebody had to come to the gourmet room at the Sahara or the Tropicana or Caesar's Palace. And it was about dinners, yeah, yeah. dinners and and drinks and conversation. So it was it was all which is it, lost now. Nobody, yeah, I mean, nobody talks anymore. And but there are no dinner shows either. <laughs> but I mean, so I got to know most of the acts personally. A lot of the big stars, yeah, like Dean Martin and Sammy Davis and Perry Como and Jerry Lewis and on and on and on and on. And so I knew them. So and then it would become okay. Then I could book them. So the ones who didn't have what's known as an exclusive agent that you had to go to a certain agency, yeah. you would call them direct. And they yeah, yeah. pretty much what, what a performer really wants is, is it a firm offer? When is it? Where is it? And how much is it? Right. And they, they want to work. Right. And, and if, if, if some of the bigger stars obviously had the exclusive agencies, whether it be ICM or William, William Morris, Morris or CAA or APA or MPI. Or, and yeah. so I called them. Uh, some of the top uh, – some of the acts like – like David Cassidy, uh, who handled, wanted me to handle them exclusively. I don't handle people exclusively because I can never get enough business for any one particular star. Yeah. Because I'm spread too thin. I go from a Jay Leno to uh, Frankie Avalon to the Unknown Comic to... And now, now, I wouldn't put the Unknown Comic in the same category as me, way, George? Well, I'm not. I'm just mentioning <laughs> names. <laughs> he, he puts a bag on his head. I don't, I don't wear that stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah. He's a good guy. That's, actually, that's one of the first persons I started working with. And he was, he was known... A lot of the old pros loved Murray Langston, the Unknown Comic, mm-hmm. with and without the bag. Like Jerry Lewis and Milton Berle, because he was a throwback. Henny Youngman, mm-hmm. he was a throwback to the way he delivered his lines. It, it was it was the old jokes that everybody did, but his 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 delivery to them that was right. funny. Uh. Right. Well, you know, it's like what Seinfeld says about that. If it was funny in the eighties, it's funny today. That's you know, brilliant. It's, I it's, love how it's, you do that. It's funny is funny, right? A funny you is funny. Take, you can take an old. See, I, I found this with impressions too. You know that you can take an old joke that. People used to do maybe in the Milton Berle yeah. days, bring it up to date, do it today with one of maybe the characters like George Burns or one of these and make it totally relevant. And they've never heard it. If it's if, if they haven't heard the joke. Yeah, it's new. And they've never heard it right. Yeah, not like right. my poor wife and, and kids that have yeah. to hear the joke a thousand times. And I said, oh, my yeah. God, he's going to tell it again. But <laughs> you'd be surprised at how many people don't know some of those jokes that were great jokes, but they've kind of died off because the people died off that used yeah, to Yeah, and there's them. ways you can make them new again. And, and everybody kind of likes, you know, they used to, everybody used to like steal a little bit or most performers, most comedians would steal a joke or, or change the emphasis on it. But it, it, after it's 30, 40, 50 years, nobody even knows it was told unless, except that the people in the business. That's right. A performer will yeah. You said you told you stole my joke. Yeah, no. seventy years ago I told that joke. And well, you know when Milton Berle said to me that night is he said, you know I like that one bit you did about the so and so, and I said, well you'll be doing that in Cleveland next week, and he started cracking up oh laughing. My God. That's and he, right. And he goes, you're right. He goes, you're right. That's right. And you knew it because he would steal. And you knew stuff. it, and he knew it. Right. We're talking to Power Agent George Picararo in studio today. If you want to know more about George, uh, he's on Facebook. There, put in uh, George Picararo. P-E-C-O-R-A-R-O onto Facebook, and you can learn more about George and what he's doing and uh, with the different projects and stuff. And actually, I want to talk about the movie that you you did a movie, mm-hmm. and it already already premiered, right? We went to the, you had the premiere and everything. <clears throat> Which right? is very strange. I, this is not what I do anymore. I stopped mm-hmm. working in the movie business about 1981. Well, I'm pulling you back into acting. I know. Because we'll you're doing that. our movie, which we'll talk about in a minute. But but this was very strange. I um. I was working with a performer. I, I had we had dinner at Rayo's about a year ago, and he says, "George, I'm writing a part for you." So I, I've done two, three lines a few times in that late seventies, early tiny begin of eighties, eighty one, eighty two, and then I stopped because I didn't have time to do films because I it, it was interrupting because I needed to be on the phone all day to book acts. Yeah, and I didn't have the luxury to sit around on a movie set all day. I wasn't starring or anything like that. It was mostly an yeah. extra or a line. But I didn't have 14, 15 hours sometimes that you do on a mm-hmm. set. I, I said, I got to make these calls. If, if calls come in, I, I, could lose, I could lose my work, my livelihood. That's right. what I do. I'm an right. agent, producer, promoter. And so I stopped doing that a long time ago. And then, but, but, but this friend of mine named Steve Tatoni, he's a producer. 
We had dinner at Rayo's at, in, at Caesars. He says, George, I'm writing a little part for you, and I'd like you to do it. I said, you know, Steve, I really don't do that kind of stuff anymore, but, you know, I'm thinking it's three. I'm thinking to myself it's three, four lines. Anybody could do three, four lines. So I said, okay, I'll do it. So about a month, this is during the pandemic, as if we still are. And so uh, I, I, I get the lines, and I'm thinking it's going to be three, four lines, and it's like 11 and a half pages of dialogue. <laughs> so I go, Steve. What are you doing? I go, this is a part, not a part. Yeah. I go, I'm going to be with real actors and cinematographers and editors and producers and lighting people. The last thing I want them to think is like, why did you hire this guy? This guy's not an actor. Right, right. So what I did is I went into overdrive. I really started rehearsing. Uh, my son, George, helped me with the rehearsal a little bit. We would go into the basement and go over the lines. And then also my son, not my son, uh, my uh, my. Good friend that I've known for about 45 years, Buddy Hackett's son, Sandy Hackett. Sandy. I told Sandy, I said, Sandy, I'm not sure what to do here, but I, 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 it's got to be good. I'm a perfectionist. So I'm not going to do something you know, where people are going to say, why did he do that? Yeah. And he says, I'll, do, I'll go over the lines. So he did many, 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 many times, many days, many, many hours. We would, you know, uh, we would get into the character and, until I really, really knew it well. And I had to memorize. I was worried about the memorization because I, you know, I'm 65. But the last time I had to memorize anything was in high school, yeah. and I wasn't you, good at you, it then. Were you playing an agent or something in there? He wanted me to play an agent. Yeah, and he wrote That's this, a stretch. Yeah, well, no, it is because <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm me now. I'm playing an agent that uh, kind of is a, a, a much rougher character because <clears throat> in the in the script, uh, the, this performer, this singer, had several hits. Not me, the, the the character, the Jay White, and uh, he had uh, he plays a part of a, a singer that had quite a few hits, and then he goes away, like kind of like Bobby Darren did, and he lives like then uh, didn't want to be found, and these younger girls saw him, they want they knew his material, and they wanted to do some of the songs, and said so you're gonna have to find this guy, yeah, and so but the long story short is is I um. I was his agent before he made it, during while he made it, and when he was a big star, and then he went away, so the manager. A uh, wonderful girl named uh, who plays Linda Wackerman plays the manager of this character Bobby Drake, who is Jay White. Uh, talks to me and convinces me you have to get a tour together. And I'm saying nobody wants this guy anymore. He went away. Yeah. So I call in all my favors to get a tour going for this performer. And the punchline is he doesn't want to do it. Now I'm embarrassed. I'm a powerful agent, mm. and now I'm angry. The first so pretty much the first scenes of the film, very close in, is how I'm angry at this act that I've known forever that I care about and he doesn't want to do what I had to call on my favors for him to do and now I'm in an embarrassing situation so it starts as that so I have to play a really tough guy a little bit which is not me and uh, so it, I didn't play me the only correlation is I am a talent agent and he this guy is a talent agent but I, I don't talk that way. I'm more of a massager. I yeah. get a lot more with honey and lemon than I yeah. do. You don't have to be that yeah. that guy. But it was, it, and I realized I probably did a good job because I didn't like that guy up on not yeah. my not my job. Well, we all did, know but the character. Those, we all know those kind of agents. Those are the guys with the cigar that are in the office going, "You're uh, you're ugly." You're not funny and lose some weight, will you please? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Those guys, right? That's yeah. never been me. In fact, I really yeah. have a lot more uh, in common with the performer than the people that who do it. I think you're like the Tom Dreesen of agents. Uh, Tom would be like such a nice guy agent, wouldn't he? I love Tom. Tom, Tom like, George, it's I Tom. got you booked at Caesar's Palace. <laughs> and uh, da, da, da. So, you know, speaking of which, okay, here's how Vegas and here's how entertainment has changed, right? We all know it's changed since corporations have taken over a lot of these hotels. Yes. It's a different game here. And I see I see names once in a while in different theaters, like Johnny Mathis, for instance. Okay? I, who I work with. And yeah, here's absolutely. a great talent. I'm a huge Johnny Mathis fan. Now, here's Johnny Mathis, who is known for Christmas music, has a wonderful collection of Christmas songs that he can do in his show. Why is Johnny Mathis not booked... For the month of December, doing a Christmas show here in Vegas, he would do great. The showgoers would love him he, for that. Johnny Mathis, oh, I, I, I do work with Johnny Mathis. Johnny Mathis, I believe, does roughly maybe like a sprinkling of shows throughout the week. He likes to work, but he, he, he paces himself. He does maybe, um, if you look at the website, I, I think he, he'll do a, a few tours. Mm -hmm. uh, but he likes to do maybe like three, four dates a month. 
and he paces them. But in Christmas time, he does do Christmas shows. In fact, I was thinking to myself yesterday, who were the Christmas people? And it yeah. was uh, it was uh, Perry Como. Andy mm-hmm. Williams and Johnny Mathis. Right. That's those are Mr. Christmas. Yeah, and, and so, but he does work. He's going to be working the Smith Center, or he just did it. Uh, is he doing the, the Christmas show there? Um, I don't think he's doing. I I had him at a Christmas show one time. He was brilliant, and it's like yeah, uh, it's well, a large orchestra, maybe thirty, thirty-five musicians, and he's brilliant. He's still at the top of his game. Yeah. And he's and I'm, I got Smokey Robinson coming in. I'm working with Smokey Robinson. The Smokey is is up there in age, and he's also. Right on it. He's not faking it. He looks it. great. For his age he too, looks great. Smokey he Robinson. sounds great. Yeah. If you have a chance to see the the audience, any if you've never saw Smokey Robinson, go see Smokey Robinson. Paul Anka. I work with Paul Anka. I've known Paul Anka for fifty years. And he still tours. Paul Anka. He, Paul Anka tours and works all the time. Paul Anka is in, Paul Anka is Frank Sinatra today. Yeah. He carries himself that way. His show is brilliant. He's a perfectionist plus. You know, if you if any if you have a chance to see any of these pro pro pros, don't wait another day because every day that we're here is a gift, yeah. and so and and any day could be their last date. Yeah. And so don't uh, go. You, you know, won't. I tried to get Don Rickles for an interview when he was doing one of the last dates he was doing at the Orleans, I believe it was, and they wouldn't his people wouldn't <clears> let me. Wouldn't let me. I said, "Look, I'll come to him. I'll go to the hotel room. We'll do the interview in there." Uh-huh. They wouldn't let me do it. He I, wasn't really. He was only doing, you know, at that point. You know, I, I saw one of the very last shows he did at the Orleans, and, and I knew Rickles, and Rickles was one of the nicest human beings yeah, I ever met yeah, in my life. It's, it, it's all an act. It's the all opposite an act. of what people would think. Oh, George is here in the studio, mm-hmm. and he's wearing a all a black shirt here. Johnny Cash have a garage sale, George. <clears throat> what is that black? Amazing. So I'm he backstage with it. I, I go backstage after I went with Sammy Shore. Yeah. Sammy Shore, uh, Paulie Shore's, uh, that's his son. And Sammy Shore had a great uh, career as a comedian his whole life to open for Elvis. Mm-hmm. And, and I went back there with Sammy and I, I brought my son George and Danny. Mm. And my son Danny is a little quiet. He has red hair. And and Rickles obviously knew that Danny didn't really know who he was, but yeah. they loved the show because yeah. they're old school, my kids, because right. I forced them yeah. to go to my shows. Yeah. <laughs> so Rickles goes to my son, come here, Red, talk to me. He had red hair. He still does. Mm-hmm. And, they're sitting, and Rickles is talking to my son, Danny, and he's talking to him. Like a really caring, warm person. Yeah, and he, I just he just, he was a gem. We lost a giant. He'll oh, never yeah. be replaced. He'll never. You can't even do Rickles because you know you're gonna. You know, people go, you're doing Rickles. Only yeah. Rickles could do Rickles. Only Rickles could brilliant. do Rickles. When I when I when uh, Fred Travelina uh, w- took me to see Rickles' show one time um, decades ago, and we went to we after Fred's show we went over the Sahara. Right, and then we went into the dressing room and talked to Rickles and hang out a little bit. And, for, and, I, and I, <laughs> I never got. I think I was like twenty years old, and I had a, I just was wearing like khaki pants and a polo shirt. And Rickles says, "Hey, Fred, why don't we all pitch in and buy the kid a sport coat?" <laughs> but then he was very nice, and you know, but right away, you know, boom. But then, and then he was just totally normal. And I thought, wow, you know, he had just killed, you know, for an hour out there. Some acts are on. Uh, all the time, and yeah, he some wasn't. He other wasn't, other yeah. comedians, performers are, are are never on. They'll never do a joke off. Like yeah. when I used to work with people like not uh, like Rip Taylor, mm-hmm. very very serious actor, really? but he was a, great, a wonderful, very very funny comedian. But you knew we we're going to catch him doing a joke off. Say David Brenner, who I worked with for decades, mm-hmm. one of my best friends. I love David. David wasn't the kind of guy who was going to do a joke off stage. He was more like let's go have dinner and conversation, yeah, and a few drinks. But and then there were other performers. That are always, always. Murray Langston, the unknown comic, unknown comic, is on in his family room by himself in a mirror. Is he really? All, and you, but on see, all the and time. that's so unusual for 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 professional comedians because, you know, the people that I started with, like you know Dana Carvey and yeah. Robin Williams and any names and and and, and 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 Jay Leno and these people, they they were just totally normal off stage, very shy for yeah. the most part. Yeah, I find most performers are, are really that. Dean Martin, um, I met Dean quite a few times. He was always the Dean was a total introvert. Yeah. And, and wanted to eat by himself every night. And he, uh, uh, he would go to a restaurant in uh, in Beverly Hills called La Familia. A buddy of mine owned it, named Joe Patty. And Dean was there five nights, six nights a week. And his ex wife would join. Jeannie would join him one night a week. And Dean, Jeannie would fill Dean into what was going on with the family. But there was no conversation from Dean going back to Jeannie. It was almost. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of nods, and I would go there with Telly Savalas or Maury Amsterdam. We'd always stop at the table, and Maury would tell a joke to Dean, and um, 
Dean would have a drink in his hand and a cigarette in the other hand. And after the joke, uh, Dean would like kind of lightly shove in a, in a loving way, Maury and the gay. And he, all he would say would be, hey, Pally. <laughs> and he was done talking. And you knew it was time to go. Yeah. But he would that... listen to you, but you weren't going to get any, any of his time. Dean yeah. was a very, very pro- – but we're going back to like introverts, uh, yeah. very quiet, very – he left it all on the stage. And he never rehearsed Dean Martin. He did. Did he? Differently, though. But differently. He didn't rehearse with the people. Didn't rehearse with the people. People think that he, they like to think he never rehearsed. He rehearsed privately, he, probably he would, to himself. He would watch. There was a guy named Lee Hale who did his part, mm-hmm. and, and, and they would tape it. And Dean would watch it in the dressing room, and he liked to be loose. He, wanted it, he didn't want it to be worked out. Mechanical, yeah. And, and he, would knew, he knew what he was going to do. And on the songs, he, he, I, he was on his golf cart. He had a, mm-hmm. a little thing there. He would play the tapes. He knew the songs. He had to sing. See, we, and then he at home. He would go over the, the whatever he had to do. I mean, he wasn't. He, he had to rehearse. You had to. He had to know what you were doing to some you know, aspect. You, you could leave it real yeah. loose. Yeah. He didn't rehearse with their acts. He didn't do that. But he he had he knew what he had to do and and and, and worked on it. He just didn't did it with anybody there. Yeah. And it always looked like he didn't even plan anything. He, you know, he, that's uh, like most people of, that yeah. interview people without notes and stuff. You know, there's people that... Yeah. I noticed that you've got 30, 40 pages <laughs> that's how in front I do. of you. He no has notes. one piece have, of paper that says George Peck. I have his name on here, folks. That's it. But I know a lot about George because I do my homework. <laughs> yeah. I do my homework. But so... And so now, um, the ad, uh, if you had to guess, well, it's probably just... It's probably crazy because how many stars or... Name people that you worked with. I mean, it's probably countless. It's right? probably it's the the stars that I've actually worked with and for my company are, are, are probably five five hundred fifty five hundred and seventy yeah. five eighty yeah. over forty three years, <clears throat> many thousands of shows. And so I, when I, you started booking them, was did like did you work at the Playboy clubs? Because I worked like the Playboy club circuits, and these were they had entertainment in there. They had review shows and comedians and that kind of thing. And then they also there was also theaters and cruise ships. And, well, I do I do theaters and festivals and cruise ships and and and. Uh, but when you started, what was hmm. it? What were the primary casinos? Uh, casinos were because it, yeah. it started from casinos, and then all of a sudden somebody called me. I, I would be like uh, as an example. I, I did a date with I, uh, um, like Milton Berle. Mm-hmm. I did a date with Milton Berle one time, and then I get a phone call from Danny Thomas um, about a week later, and it says, George Danny Thomas. And I'm thinking, like, mm-hmm. I'm picturing this 25,000-square-foot, one-bedroom mansion on Hillcrest, and I'm working, <laughs> I think, on top of my bed at the time. <laughs> and he's calling me. He says, George, I heard you just worked with Milton, and uh, I'd like to, uh, to to do some more dates. I'm not getting enough dates. Yeah. Did, he was filthy rich and super powerful, and he was a, a, an amazing. He, he said, I'm not getting enough dates. Well, try the blonde at the end of the block there. No. <laughs> but I'm bummed. <laughs> but um, I, and, and we would talk and talk, and, and then I was saying, I guess I could say this. So I was trying to get, I was getting, trying to get an idea of what, what Danny Thomas wanted right. money-wise because I had not worked with him. Yeah. I knew what Milton was getting. And then, and he's not telling me, Danny. He says, "You got to yeah. get me some dates." And I'm thinking, well, before I start making some phone calls, so some of the people I know, I need to get approximately what am I? Is it, you know, this is in the mid '80s. Yeah. And he says, and the only thing he said was, "I got to get as much as Bob Hope." And I'm thinking, okay. At the time, I think Bob was getting about a hundred a date, um, hundred thousand a night. And so I'm thinking to myself, I go, well, Milton gets, you know, not getting that kind of money. And I said, uh, Danny, I mean, it, it, can I just get, you know, it has to be exactly what Hope gets. <clears throat> and he goes, yeah. And I talked to myself, well, that's why he's not working. Yeah, he doesn't need the money, yeah, but it's, it's, a, it's how you measure yourself yeah, with the performers. Yeah. But I, I couldn't get as much as, as, I, as, as Bob Hope would get uh, yeah. for Danny Thomas. It, it's, so I thought, well, I... I, I just where am I going to go? There's nowhere I can get that. That's why he's not doing that. Many so did dates. you end up booking him or no? Because I, I couldn't get he was I couldn't demanding get, that hundred. Yeah, that's that's a lot of money. I couldn't. That it was too much. You know, every, yeah. you can always get a few dates at, at a, a certain price if somebody really loves what you do. But if you want to work, work. Then you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and do you uh, find Jerry Lewis always told me, George, get what the market will bear. Right. Get I mean, did the, you find that mo- a lot of big stars like Danny Thomas, these kind of people, didn't weren't willing to bend on the price? A little uh, bit. Most like, of you know, it, 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 through the course of your career, there's highs and lows, and so you have to you have to play the market. Henny Youngman. I'll answer it this way: Henny Youngman was a pretty big star for a long time. Mm-hmm. 
and um, Henny would say, George, I work for for you know, 1500 5000 10000 and 15000 He goes, you know what I do? I rake it all together, and at the end of my year, that's my year. Yeah. So if I don't grab it all, okay. he goes, get as much yeah. as you can before they say no. But yeah. if, I, if, if, if I just stick to one price, overall I'm going to make a lot less by the end of the year. Yeah, because he, different venues pay different amounts. Yeah, and if, if it's a corporation, they have a lot yeah, more money. they got it's, more it's money a hotel, than a theater. They, and, nowadays, yeah. it's a little different. How, how it's done. But back then, the old school guys, they didn't mm-hmm. want to lose a date. Yeah. Where's my date? Because they sit yeah. around with each other with the comedy clubs. Uh, not the comedy, yeah. the delis. The like delis, in L.A. Yeah. or in, yeah. in Carnegie and in, in Los Angeles. I mean, in, 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 in New York and like, uh, what's the one in L.A.? The, yeah, uh, the, uh, they, they would hang out at... Uh, Arts well, Delicatessen or... Yeah, or uh, the one Canters. Canters. Canters or, in L.A. Or the bigger one that I'm not thinking yeah. of right now. And they sit around six, seven, eight comedians... And, 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 and they'll sit there with, like, Jackie Gale and Jack Carter and Red Buttons. And, and where did you work this weekend? Oh, I was in Cleveland. I did this date. And the one who didn't have a date was almost, even though he was a star, it was almost a little, he felt a little like, slighted. Because yeah. he, he was at go, the country club having I'm holding lunch. out for my hundred grand. <laughs> but all they really care about yeah. is where's my next date. Right. Performers want to perform, especially comedians. Yeah. yeah. They want to work. They want to work. They want to do dates. Yeah. And you can't, it doesn't matter how much you have mm-hmm. money-wise or how famous you are. Where's my date? Where am I going this weekend? Where am I traveling to? Yeah. And it's it's about that. A lot of it's about that. Yeah, the money matters, right. but it's not the most important thing for most to perform. Performers want to perform. Right. And then did you find that uh, um, that today is, I think, uh, the shows are missing the combination comedian-singer or yes. singer-comedian, which was a great combo that Vegas was known for and all the theaters would always have an opening act which would be a comedian for the singer or if the comedian was a big star, you'd have, like George Burns would have Anne margaret open or when mm-hmm. or somebody like that or Suzanne Summers open. And that, that was the formula. That was the formula. Yeah, you had a, and that was a great formula. The singer always had a great comedian yeah. open for him and then you, you, you loved it and then you were ready for the, for the star, yeah. for, the, for the superstar or the big But performer. you didn't have two of the same or it just doesn't make sense like the way no. they do some of it's, it's strange how to do it now i mean it's they they for the majority they don't have opening acts anymore because they don't mm. they don't want to they don't want to use that budget anymore they they want to uh, corporations very careful how they spend their money except when it comes to a superstar when you see the superstars out there today um celine dion's and 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 and, and rod stewart's and the ones that play the main, the really, really big rooms, mm-hmm. you know, they don't have you know, opening acts. It's just them. And, and and then the money that's available for them is insane, that kind of money. Yeah. And then the normal big stars that are still alive that we know, it's very hard to, to get what you normally get anymore because they're, using, they're looking for a younger demographic. And there's not a lot of respect, as there sh- there should be, much more respect for, for the performer who really knows the business. But it, it's... The corporations don't. I don't think they really look at it that way. It's more what's what's hot today, yeah. and, and the, so the ones that are the, the ones that are not as big are, are working kind of the off properties once in a while, but not too much. It, it, that era is pretty much over, which is is sad because the nightclub era of all those performers that was showbiz, right? It, it was that was showbiz, yeah. and it's changed today. And now it's. It, it's another business. It's it's just putting butts in seats. You don't yeah. have to be great at what you do if you're popular enough. If you got enough yeah. YouTube hits or Facebook hits <laughs> or Twitters or the, all that stuff, you can. I, I, there's a comedian that used to play Madison Square Garden not too long ago, and I and I watched the video of it, and I'm still waiting for the first laugh. It's all attitude and, and popularity. Yeah. I'm not going to mention his name. Yeah, but he would sell out Madison Square Garden. And you're still I, waiting I think for the, I know who you're talking joke. about, but I'm not going to say it. Yeah, don't say no, it. I, I don't want it to be about that. No, no, no. But the point is yeah. that it was about talent and, and funny. Funny is, if you're a comedian, it should be joke, 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 right, joke. Right, right, right. And a lot of today's, it's it's attitude. And if you're popular enough to, to, you know. And then you have some great, great entertainers today. People like Michael yeah. Bublé and, yeah. and, and and quite a few. Yeah. Uh, and, and Lady Gaga and people like that. But it's the days of the Tony Bennett's and the, the Jack Joneses and the Alan Kings and the, that whole era, Milton Burles and, and... But, you know, that stuff may morph back around. I don't know. You know how everything kind of history kind of comes back around a lot? You know, I think people... 
I, think, I won't be around to see it. It's yeah, not, not going to happen. Either. I probably soon. won't either. But, but you know how things get saturated and then they start going, well, let's get more family entertainment. Let's get more, you know, and it comes back around from the dirty comedy to the clean comedy, right. you know, that kind of thing. So it's possible, you know. I would change. love it. No, I would love it. I mean, I, I think a better way, a better hope would be if somebody could find a rewind button, a time yeah, tunnel. Yeah. I'd, I'd hit that rewind button so fast because yeah. that, that it, we – we we all knew how wonderful it was when we were going through it in the late 60s, early 70s, 80s, 90s. We knew what we had then. I didn't take it for granted. I knew it was special. Yeah. I just didn't know it would ever really go away. Right, right. And we're it, talking to uh, Power Agent George Picoraro, and uh, we got a, a few minutes left here, so we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to chat more with George right after this. You're tuned to the Vegas Voice on AM 1400 KSHP Las Vegas. The Vegas Voice, the voice for your health, wealth, and good times. Folks, it is the free monthly magazine. Learn more at thevegasvoice.net. Stick around. George, Rich, and I return right after this. Celebrity voice impersonated. This is Dr. Phil talking at you. You know all those messed up kids you see on my TV show? Well, they're not book readers. Your kids need something fun to read. That's why I recommend American Stonehenge. It's a modern adventure story filled with great characters and mysterious plot twists. For a free preview of the first four chapters, go to jimmyandandrew.com. That's jimmyandandrew.com. Use promo code RICH25 and receive a 25% discount. Go to jimmyandandrew.com and use promo code RICH25. Get your kids reading. That way, they stay off my TV show. What were you thinking? Replacing your air conditioning and heating system is a big decision. That's why Johnny on the Spot Air Conditioning and Heating tailors every new unit estimate to meet our clients' needs. We go over all the options with you and custom design a new system for you and your home. And of course, these consultations are always free. Schedule your free new unit estimate online at johnnies.vegas or call us at 702-JOHNNIES. That's 702-564-6697. Contractor license number 76827. Holy gentle giants, dog food, Batman. I'm Burt Ward, Robin from the Batman TV series. I was the caped crusader, and now I'm the canine crusader. After rescuing and feeding 15,500 dogs for 23 years, my wife and I created a natural, low-fat, heart-healthy, made-in-America dog food and special feeding and care program designed to help all dogs live amazingly longer, healthier, happier lives. Our dogs are living as long as 27 healthy, active years. Yours can, too. That's twice their normal lifespan and triple for some breeds. Would you like your dog to live as long as 27 years and still be active and healthy? Gentle Giants Dog Food is complete nutrition for all dogs and puppies, all ages and sizes, and is different from other dog foods without the greasy coating and high fat content that can shorten your dog's life. Try our Gentle Giants life-enhancing dog food for the longer, healthier, happier life of your dog. This is the Vegas Voice. Now, here again, the host, comic impressionist, Rich Natoli. We are back. We've been joined in studio by power talent agent George Pecoraro, who has worked with everybody under the sun, everybody you can think of comedy-wise and music-wise. And so now, now next, like looking forward... What kind of things are you doing now and to adjust to this market? Or okay. uh, you do a lot of stuff out of town, out of state? I do, I do, I do uh, stuff all around the country. Mm. Um, a lot of corporations, a lot of theaters, a lot of festivals. But I, 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 there's one casino that I do a lot for it at Seneca Niagara Resort and uh, in, uh, in Niagara Falls. And also they have a sister property in Salamanca, New York, another property. Uh, there's 2,400-seater there. And uh, – Another room called the Bears Den. It seats about four forty, and then the outside shows. I just did about six weeks ago. I did a big show out there, and it was five acts, 
and it was a, and and I didn't even know who two of them were, but they wanted me to to get this. It was a group called Black Street, mm-hmm. uh, a group a performer named Cool Mo D. A group. Is that rap? Is that a rap? Yeah, hip hop. Yeah, and then the other three, I think you might have, you might know. Uh, I'm sure the audience knows who they are, and I'm just dating myself. That's why I didn't know those two. But All for One, who had a couple yeah, of sure. major hits, Vanilla Ice, mm-hmm. and Bobby Brown. Wow. I had them all together, and everybody wow. was really respectful and caring, and did a they did a great show. We did about five thousand people. Yeah. That was about six weeks ago. And then there's a lot of power in selling tickets when you've got those kind of acts together on a bill. Yeah, right? so that's a much younger act, yeah. than, obviously, than I would normally do. I just came back day before yesterday. I was up there uh, this this uh, Friday and Saturday uh, working with Sean Cassidy. Oh, yeah. Sean Cassidy came back <clears throat> after 40 years mm-hmm. of being uh, not performing as a performer anymore. The last place he played... It was a Houston Astrodome that seated 50,000 people. Mm. And then he just now, he, just before the pandemic, he did a couple of shows for me. And now that this portion, he just did two shows for me. Again, he's on a little bit of a tour. Wonderful talent. Great stories. Nice yeah. person. Yeah. And I knew David. I, used to, I, I knew David and Cassidy David, You know, well. he said when, when David Cassidy uh, died, uh, I read a thing where Sean Cassidy said, you know, he goes, I tried my whole career to catch up with him. Wow. And to maybe pass him. He goes, and I never could. Because wow. David was that, po- David, that David, popular. I mean, he, David was more... Uh, I knew David and his his work a lot more than Sean was because Sean was with the Hardy Boys and he yeah. was a pop idol uh, at the time. But at, when, like I said, I, I always worked with I worked with people that were thirty and forty years older than me. So when when yeah. when David came out, even David, I was working with like all the old stars, Sammy Davis's, uh, like I mentioned, Smothers Brothers, Alan King, um, Sid Caesar, that whole era, and and so. I, the only reason I remember David because I used to watch Partridge Family when I was growing up, yeah. and uh, it, it was it, the family was in show business, so that's why I loved it. Yeah. And Kincaid was the AD, agent, yeah. the guy named Dave Madden, and uh, but it was a great show. It was one of, and I worked with Shirley Jones many many times. Yeah. So I was more apt to hang out and work with people like Shirley Jones than Sean Cassidy. Or or, or 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 David Cassidy. Yeah, you know my, my David Cassidy story. I never met him. I never got a chance to meet mm-hmm. him. But I was I had performed a lot when I lived in Southern California. I play the uh, the Coach House sure. in San Juan Capistrano, yeah. and so I had just done. I had just emceed and performed at the Night of the Soap Opera Stars, where I did my comedy. Then I introduced the different stars <laughs> that had nightclub acts and stuff. And uh, and so uh, David Cassidy was there the following week. So my wife, she had w- loved David Cassidy. So I got some tickets. Of, of, they gave me free passes to come and see him. So I'm there, and he was supposed to have this girl comedian open the show for him, David. Uh-huh. And it was sold out in there, you know. And I'm sitting there, and I'm talking to the club manager and everything because I knew him because I had just played there and everything. And and the girl didn't show up, and it's wow. like five minutes to eight or whatever showtime. And he goes, Rich. Can you go on and open the show? He goes, if this girl doesn't show up, and I, and, and and my wife, she's going, oh my god, I'm a David Cassidy fan my whole life, and now my husband's going to open for him in like three minutes. You know what I'm saying? I said, yeah. So I was literally in the wings, waiting two minutes. Did she show up? And she came to walk, run oh. into the door two minutes before the show started, and I didn't get to do it. Wow. And I thought, and I didn't uh, even get to really meet him. People either. love David Cassidy. Yeah, they, they really they did. Just, they really did, and so, uh, so, so you got uh, that's good. And then you're going to be doing. Uh, he's going. George is going to be playing the uh, the part of the uh, pit boss in our film. I can film. totally see him as the pit boss. Faith, too. <laughs> Faith wins the wild card of the strip, which will be shooting. That'll be his part. Of, they'll be shooting in mid January on that part here in Vegas. So thank you so much for joining well, us. Well, it was my pleasure. It went so fast. I mean, I didn't even get to touch on anything. But it. it, it well, we well, come such back. A great host. We'll, come, we'll, we'll pick up the story. I got to tell. If I come back, yes. I got to tell you some of the like the, the crazy things that happened yeah, yeah. like with Henny Youngman and the Smothers well, we'll Brothers we'll talk about all like that, that. We can, we'll definitely have you back soon and we'll, we'll talk about all that all fun though um, so right now we're going to play uh, the, 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 the talented country artist uh, Jenny Tolman who was just recently in town to Tropicana perform she does the song Faith Wins that she co-wrote and is singing for the movie. It's a beautiful song. And I, I heard the song, the, uh, the other song for the a, movie. She's brilliant. Beautiful voice. And she's going to be such a big star. She's a beautiful girl. She's singing a Christmas song. What's this called, John? Uh, it's called Cowboy for Christmas. Cowboy for Christmas. So here's Jenny Tolman we're going to go out with here today, folks.
Dr. Phil talking at you. You know all those messed up kids you see on my TV show? Well, they're not book readers. Your kids need something fun to read. That's why I recommend American Stonehenge. It's a modern adventure story filled with great characters and mysterious plot twists. For a free preview of the first four chapters, go to jimmyandandrew.com. That's jimmyandandrew.com. Use promo code RICH25 and receive a 25% discount. Go to jimmyandandrew.com and use promo code RICH25. Get your kids reading. That way, they stay off my TV show. What were you thinking? Celebrity Voice Impersonated.